0: You know, there was a time in my life where faith was something I strived after. It's something that it, I felt like it was something I had to work to obtain this greater level of faith. And, and I'm not saying there's things that we don't, we, we don't do. I mean, it, but, but there is this thing of like, well, if I just had more faith, if I just had more faith, if I just had more faith, instead of resting. And that, that's a big key on what hinders people from receiving is resting. You know, we've been on a series talking about faith. And this is, about, I believe, the seventh week on it. And, I'm, and we're shifting, in a, so to speak, in this series. We're still dealing with faith and we'll stay on faith. All the way through probably to October. And what I want to deal with tonight as an avenue of faith is great, small, or none at all. Do you have great faith? Do you have small faith? Or do you have none at all? And this isn't, this isn't a message to condemn you on where your faith might be right now. That's, that has nothing to do with this message. But I want us to turn in, in, in the word to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Cassie. Hallelujah. You know, before we read Romans chapter 12, you know, faith is how we're to live. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. That's Galatians 3.11, Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by his faith. So we know as we are righteous, and that's what I've been dealing with on Sundays, is that we are to live by faith. This is how we live. It's not a movement. It's not a message. It's not, not some sort of idea. It's we live by faith. And we've been talking over the previous weeks about having faith in God, not having faith in a concept, not having faith in an idea, but having faith in God, the, the person, the creator, having faith in the finished works of Jesus. See, a lot of times when we talk about striving and this faith, we're trying to get God to do something, but not realizing maybe, it's, maybe, and maybe what we're wanting is already done. Having is not having faith and trying to get God to do something, but also but realizing that I need to have faith in the finished works of Jesus. I need to have faith in something that's already been accomplished, something that's already been done, because a lot of times there's this idea that our faith should be some sort of magic trick. It's like abracadabra. I prayed and bam, there it is. No, there's this process that happens through a a living relationship with the father. See, your faith is, is not going to grow because you strive to have more faith. Your faith grows as a result of your personal relationship with him. It, th- it, it thrives and grows through your relationship with his word. I don't get into the word because if I'm in the word, I get more faith. I get into the word because I get to know him. And when I get to know him, the result of that is, is walking and having and being established in faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it talks about that he gives to every man the measure of faith. And, and I've taught on this uh, different ways, and, and, and I'm not taking anything away when I've taught before, but, but we've been given the set portion, the measure of faith. Not, not, uh, not, not David got a different measure than Vic got. No, we all got the same measure, we got the set portion. But as I was looking at this word in the, in, the, in the Greek today, and I want to get my phone so someone else can see this besides me. Now, the word for measure is the word metron. And Adrian, I want you to tell me, what, what is this first definition here under for biblical usage? The, a instrument of measuring. An instrument measuring. And underneath of it, it gives us a picture of that. It says a vessel for receiving and determining the quality of something. And so I want us to look at faith not just as a set portion we all receive, but as he talks about a measure, it is an instrument, it is a vessel. So when we say everyone's been given the measure of faith, that lets me know that everyone, that all men have been given the capacity to believe. Capacity. What does a measuring cup do? It has a capacity. It has a capacity to hold something. So all men, he's given the measure, the capacity to all men to believe. Let's go to Titus chapter one. Now, if you're visiting here on Wednesday night, this is kind of like Bible school we stay on the same topic for anywhere from 12 to 14 weeks, and, and we, we deal with that. We've, we, last year, we were healing for 16 weeks. We talked about prosperity for, for 17 weeks, and, and we just stay on this because we all want to grow up into the fa- in, in faith, into the image of Christ, right? And Titus, hallelujah. Titus chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, a servant of God and the apostle of Jesus Christ... According to the faith of God's elect. So, God's elect, what have faith, right? In the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Verse three, but hath in due time manifested his word through preaching. So, he manifested his word through preaching. We could say he manifested Jesus through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. So, so God comm- committed unto me this preaching of the word. Verse 4, to Titus, my own son, after the common faith. So now we're seeing this common faith, meaning this is a faith, common faith meaning, meaning it's after a faith that everyone has the capacity to have. See, no one is void the capacity to believe. So no one can say, well, well, I just, I just can't believe that. No, you just choose not to believe that. We'll, we'll get into that in a moment. Now let's go to, let's see if I want to get ahead of myself. Um, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse three, it says, we ought and indeed are obligated to give thanks always to God for you. And I'm reading the Amplified, brethren, as is fitting because your faith is growing exceedingly. And the love of every one of you towards the other is increasing and abounds. So what is he saying here? Because we ought and indeed are obligated to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, as is fitting. So why is he giving thanks to God for them? Because their faith is growing exceedingly. So let's just break this down a little bit. So we see everyone's been given the capacity to believe. Everyone's been given the measure of faith. He talked to Titus because and through the preaching of the word, he was now part of this having this common faith. This common faith, meaning it's a faith that everyone has the ability to have. But here he says he gives thanks to God because their faith is growing exceedingly. You see, we've all been given the capacity and we've all been given the measure of faith. So the question is, what are we doing with our capacity? What are we doing with the measure of faith That we've been given. We can look at it this way. And some of you have have seen me do this before. We all have been given the same amount of muscles within our body, right? right. We all have the same amount of muscles. The thing is, is some people do more with their muscles than other people do with their muscles, right? And so when you use your muscle, so to speak, that muscle has the ability to function at a higher capacity. It doesn't mean that, that, that Adrian got a bicep and I didn't get a bicep. The question is, is, is he working his bicep more than I'm working my bicep? Now, no, this is, this is not about works. Trying to earn a place with God, and well, God's pleased with me because I read more word than you read. No, th- th- that's not that's not the point. The point is understanding that you have the capacity to believe. You have the measure of faith on the inside of you. Now let's go. To, let's go to let's go a couple pages over to Second Thessalonians chapter three. Now, see, I, 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 when I get in the Word and I see scriptures and sometimes my, my, I'm seeing scriptures and all of a sudden I see other scriptures and I'm like, okay, are you contradicting yourself here, Lord? What, what What's going on here? So I got to this scripture this week and I was, I was preparing for tonight. And I get to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. Even as, as it is with you, and that way we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. <laughs> so we just talked about that everyone's been given, all men have been given the measure of faith. And now Paul said, "Deliver me from these people, these unreasonable people, because not all men have faith." So what is he talking about here? He's saying, because see, what is happening is Paul is preaching the word. So he's saying, Lord, deliver me from these, these unreasonable men. Deliver me from these, because why not all men have faith, many, because people are making a choice to believe this word or not to believe this word. So everyone has the capacity to believe. It comes down to, will I choose to believe the word. Because not all men have faith, meaning not all men would choose to believe what's being preached. So Paul's saying, pray that I may be delivered from this. Because not all men might have faith, meaning not all men are going to choose to believe. That's why, that's why not every single person that I preach to or witness to will ever get saved. They all have the capacity to, they have the ability to, but the question will they? Let's break it down like this. Faith, this is what I want us to see tonight, that faith is a choice. And a lot of people don't believe that. They're saying, well, well, faith is just something that I have. No, it's something that you choose. For instance, there is just as much, there's more evidence, if depending on what scientists you read after, there's just as much evidence for divine design as there is evolution. mathematically, evolution is impossible. Even if you say the world is billions of years old, it's still mathematically impossible. You know, if evolution was possible, and we came from monkeys, how come they're still monkeys? Because if we evolved through thousands and thousands and millions and billions of years, then eventually the monkeys would stop being monkeys and they'd be all humans. Right. If we really talk about evolution. So. So the thing is that people say, well, I'm an atheist. Atheism is is you say, why? It's just not believing. No, it's still a belief. You're choosing not to believe in something you're whether you talk about faith or not having faith in God or believing in God. You're having faith in something. Why? Because everyone has the capacity to believe something. Evolution is a belief. It's not a fact. It's a theory. But yet our schools push it all the time. It's a theory. Meaning it's an idea. It's an opinion. But it's an opinion you choose to believe or you choose not to believe. So faith comes down to my choice. Faith comes down to my choice. Thank you, Father. So he desires our faith to grow exceedingly. See, whatever you feed, going back to the muscle again, whatever you feed will get stronger. We've all been given the measure of faith. How will our faith grow exceedingly? Well, we know according to Romans chapter 10, 17, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? We see in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus talked about two men. It said there was two men. It said they they, they they both built their house. One built his house, you know, upon the rock. And it said the one that heard the word and did the word, right? Built his house upon a rock and the storm came and beat upon his house and it didn't fall. Then it said the other man just heard the word. And it said the same storm came. It wasn't a different storm. It was the same storm, but it said his, his house was fanned on the sand. And when that storm came, it was wiped away. So faith is a result of not just hearing, but it's also doing. So it's the same thing. Faith grows in my life as I'm hearing the word and doing the word, you know, and it's the same thing with my muscles. It's not just knowing that if I lift weights, my muscles get stronger. It's what am I doing with the weights? What am I exercising? Because my faith is going to grow to the extent of what I'm what I'm hearing and what I'm doing in my life. It's a, it's a choice. Just like my muscles getting stronger is a choice. It's the same thing where it pertains to faith. It's a choice. Am I going to believe God's word and am I going to do God's word? Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Joyce Myers, and I know there's other people that have said this, that if we feed our faith, we'll starve our doubts. But too often, people, people battle battle and try to, try to feed their doubts and feed their faith at the same time, and it's impossible. You're either going to be feeding one or the other. So you need to feed your faith with the Word so your doubts become smaller, let me, let me tell you a story real quick, you know, and tell you part of a story at least. When I first, the Lord told me to come to Texas, January 20, uh, 23rd of 1999, and the Lord showed up in, in a friend's living room and told me I'd be in Texas for the majority of the rest of my life. Well, first, after that happened, I was like, what was that? What, what just happened? And so even even I'm going home at first, it was like exciting because I had experienced something and I heard God's voice, whether it was audible or not. I don't know, but I was excited about what happened. But then all of a sudden, by the time I got in the plane to head back to Maryland, now I'm thinking, how is this going to happen? You see, I, I had an experience with God. I heard God's voice. I knew what God had said. I knew. But then now I'm now I'm in a place of doubt. Now, even though that, that the word came to me that I will be in Texas for the majority of the rest of my life, I'm sitting there. I'm going, "How can this be? How can this be, God? Do you know how much debt I have right now, God? Do you know what the job I have right now is really good, and how am I going to find a job like that in Texas, God? Do you know that I have a house right now? Do you know how my all my family is here? No one in my family has ever left Maryland. Why would I come to Texas? And and oh. You know, and so, so immediately I heard God's word and my faith was excited. I was excited because God said he was going to move me to Texas. But all of a sudden now I'm, I'm feeding my doubts. I'm feeding my doubts. And all of a sudden now my doubts are, my, my doubts are now bigger. Now I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe, maybe, I didn't really, maybe I didn't really hear from God. Maybe maybe that was it. But I had to get to a place where, no, I knew that was, I did not make that up. How would I make up? Okay, let me, move, let me leave Maryland and go to Texas. That, that, was, that was not even, even when I went to Texas, that was never a thought. I came to visit friends. But yet, I heard the word from God. And initially, I was excited about it. I received that word. But what, the enemy comes at what immediately to steal the word. Why? Because he wants, he wants to get me into a place of doubt. Right. And so so here I am now in this process of time and and I'm getting in the word. So so the first thing the enemy said, you, you can't go to Texas. You got too much debt. So what did I start doing? I started I started going going to the word and finding out what God has to say about getting me out of debt. I start going to the word, okay, and, and getting direction. I even went to a conference, a Preflow Dollars. It was Get Out of Debt God's Way. It, it was, a, it was a February of 1999 at the, at the, where the, back then it was the the Washington Bullets before the bullets was no longer a politically correct term. And, and, and that's where, and so he ministered on how to get out of the Get Debt's God's way and how, how to get a plan for your life as it pertained to this and and so next thing I know I'm so in seed I'm I'm doing these different things that God's telling me to do and and, and so so what happened I'm, I'm hearing the word based on what God's desire is for my life yes. Amen. That's right. That's good. and so I'm feeding my faith I'm feeding my faith next thing I know my faith is getting strong I'm working the muscles out I'm working on something. I'm working on something. You know, just as a, as a bodybuilder would lift weights. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, and, and, and it didn't have to be, it didn't have to be necessarily have to make sense to my head. It had to make sense. Yeah. there's something real about that. There's something real about that. I see that in the Word. All right, I'm going to lay hold of that. I'm going to do that. And the next thing I know, I wasn't, I couldn't, because if you totally give yourself over to the natural mind, you're always going to revert back to because eventually it's not going to make sense to your head. So in Mark chapter 4, we know there was a, with this, there was a storm that came up and Jesus Jesus was in the back of the boat asleep. Verse 30, it says, But he himself was in the stern of the boat asleep on the leather cushion. And they awoke him and they said to him, Master, do you not care that we're perishing? And he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush now, be still. Muzzled and the wind ceased, sank, at, uh, sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating. And there was immediately a great calm and a perfect peacefulness. And he said to them, why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, let me ask you a question. Is Jesus unfair? Is Jesus mean? Is Jesus a bully? Is Jesus trying to make them feel condemned? Let's go to Luke chapter 8. Now, throughout the ministry of Jesus, just in the book of Matthew alone, Jesus examined their faith constantly. In Matthew 6, he says, Jesus said, if you're worried about the clothes you'll wear, he says, you have little faith. He talked to the centurion that believed in the spoken word, just speak the word only. He, he said he had great faith. In Matthew 8, 26, he did, told disciples during the storm in Matthew's account that they had little faith. In Matthew 14, 31, Peter walked on the water, but when he started to sink, he said he had little faith. In Matthew 15, 26, there was a Gentile woman, a person that doesn't have a covenant with Jesus, said even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he evaluated her faith and called her faith great faith. In Matthew sixteen eight, the disciples had little faith as it was concerning where they're going to find bread. And then in Mark chapter 4, we see he said they had no faith. So we see all these different kinds of faith that Jesus is analyzing. But in Luke chapter 8, verse 24, And the disciples came and woke him, saying, Master, we are perishing. And he, being thoroughly awakened, censored and blamed and rebuked the wind and the raging of the waves, and they ceased. And there came a calm, verse 25, and he said to them, why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? So here he says, where is your faith? Meaning he's saying you should have some. If he's asking them where it is. It means they should have some. But what was happening is because he gave all men the capacity to have faith, Right. They heard the word preached. They saw miracles. They saw all these things. So he's saying, where is your faith? So what he was really asking them is, you're choosing to believe the natural, your circumstances, your surroundings, more than you're choosing to believe my ability, God's ability to get us to the other side. And so whatever you're facing at in your life right now, Faith is not something that we're striving for, but it's a decision that we choose to make. Now, that choice is easier to make when you know him better, when you know his character and you know his nature. That's why we need to get into the word. It's not getting into the word just builds more faith. Like I said, getting into the word gets you to know him. And our faith is a result of our love relationship. This reciprocal, he loves me and I love him. And it's that faith being established through time, through relationship. You know, so, so in this period of time that, that God's telling me to come to Texas, every time there was a difficulty, every time something came up that, that looked impossible, I'd have to go back to what did God say? What did God say? What did he tell me? I'd be in Texas for the majority of the rest of my life. I didn't, you know what? I didn't have to figure out how that was going to happen. I had to go back to, he said, I would be in Texas for the majority of the rest of my life. I get a, I get a bad report. Something came, come up. Yeah, in the natural, yeah, it could be frustrating. In the natural, it could be upsetting. But I had to go, what did God say? I'd be in Texas for the majority of the rest of my life. And so it's, it's the same thing as we walk through whatever we're walking through. It's, it's making the choice. God, I believe your word. I believe what you said in your word. I believe that you, you know, for my life, it's, there were several seasons in my life where I went through difficult things. Some through my own choices. You know, one of the reasons why I was in so much debt was I made a bad choice. A choice that I shouldn't have made yeah it delayed me for about a year and a half, but you know what it didn 't change god 's purpose for my life it didn 't change his plan for my life yeah i was I, I was a little bit delayed I, I got off course because of choices I made in the natural, yeah. things I chose to go back to, things that I chose to 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 engage in, yeah, it put me in almost thirty thousand dollars of debt. but yet when I got back in line. With what I knew God had for me, because my placement was in Texas. it wasn't in Maryland. So as I'm pursuing the placement, all of a sudden now God's working at the same time, and He is now bringing about restoration, what was taking a year and a half to change, all of a sudden He did it in seven months. Seven months, 28000 dollars of credit card debt, a mortgage. God tells me in January 23rd to come to Texas. started telling all my all my clients that I had I had I had 250 clients for the same clients every week for five years so starting and in, in the Lord said I want you to start telling them that your last day is August 11th and so there was things in my head saying how how can this be it's kind of like Mary how can this be knowing I know not a man how can this be knowing I have all this debt? How can this be knowing that I've been through a divorce? How can this be knowing that, that I've made mistakes? How can this be knowing that i that I failed? How can this be knowing I turned my back on other people? How can this be? So all these things are faith. So the Lord's telling me, say, tell them that your last day is August 11th. And so I had I had people that would that that clients that knew me and knew some of the things I'd gone through that were really religious and I would tell them that I'd go well I'm I'm going to Bible school and going to ministry and they're like you can't go to ministry because you were divorced. (laughs) I had people telling me that. Did I have to I had to process that I had to I had to process that okay God did I hear from you or did I not hear from you? And so I had to continue to renew my mind to His plan for my life. Even if I didn't have a scripture, I would have to say, God said, I'm going to Texas and I'll be there for the majority of the rest of my life. Anytime a bad report came, well, God said, I'm going to Texas and I'll be there majority of my life. Get another step back. Well, God said, I'm going to Texas. So you know what my last day of work was? August 11th. Come on. Showed up in Texas on August 29th of 1999. Still had $3,000 left to pay with credit card debt. But I'm like, God, how, how is this going to happen? And all through the whole time, he told me this. He goes, If you take care of the obedience, I'll take care of the impossible. You just be obedient to do what I'm telling you to do. You stay in the Word. You, you stay and keep those things before you, and I'll take care of all those other things. You stay focused on me. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You just stay focused on me. You, stay, you choose to believe me. Choose to believe me. Doesn't matter how loud your circumstance are yelling, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. Having done therefore to stand, stand therefore. Yeah, good. God will restore. God, will restore. God will restore. God will restore. And so I, I walk, you know, walking through that, even I'll finish telling you the story as we get back into this, because it'll tie into it, is is I got here to go to Bible school and and I had to pay for my, some of you heard me tell the story before, I had to pay for my, my uh, entrance fee. And my entrance fee was, I think, $500 at the time, something like that and um And I only had so much money to my name, and i 'm standing along this wall here, and uh, the Lord says, "I want you to pay for that those two people 's registration fee There was a husband and wife. I want you to pay for the registration fee i said i, I, I didn 't bring my checkbook i didn't, i don't it's in, it's in the car you know he said and he told me it's in the car, and the thing is is, I came here with only with only like fifteen hundred dollars or whatever it was and um no, actually, the registration fee was $250, and I only had $1,200. That's all I had to my name. And I didn't have a place to live yet, didn't have a job. And now, so $1,200, and the Lord's wanting me to now to, all right, I'm going to, you want me to sow $750? I have no clue where I'm living. I have no clue about anything. And so I'm standing on that wall, and I'm ignoring God. And I'm like, okay, you got me to Texas, but I'm not doing that. And he, and he says, do you trust me? And the whole way, I was like, I trust you, but. <laughs> <laughs> I trust you, but. I trust you, but. And it's, it's my turn, you know, I'm getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. I'm there when Mr. Baldwin is, and the table was on that back wall. And it's, I trust you, but. I go to that table, I write, you know, I had my check, just one check. And I, I wrote it out, I hand it to God, and I'm walking, walking by. Well, right on this table by the sound booth was a table there, and it said, and it was where people got prayed for if they needed help with their tuition or whatever. And, and I, all of a sudden I get there, and, and the Holy Spirit just stops me in the track, my tracks, and I can't even move. Now, he's giving me a choice. And he's saying, will you obey me? Now, I, he's a gentleman. He's not going to make me do anything. And I could have just kept walking. Took a deep breath. I said, I need to pay for the the people that were here a little bit ago. That couple, I need to pay. I walked out to my car. Wrote the check with fear and trembling. (laughs) Handshaking. I handed it to them. And I was like, okay, I'm going to live on the street. I'm going to, I don't have no clue what I'm doing. I only know two people in Texas. But what did God do? It was... It was through, through me knowing where God wanted me to be and doing things along the way, even though they didn't make sense. Ten days later, I get a letter in the mail. And the la- letter I got was dated from the same day that I had that registration, the registration day. And, and the people wrote me a check for the exact amount of money that I owed on, on my credit card. And so, by the time school started, I was totally out of debt. But it wasn't something I could figure out here. And, and like I said, does it always has things always worked in the time frame that I wanted to know? I, I remember. Uh, sorry, you're all right with stories. I remember another time where I, I was. Uh, it was another thing with finances, and it was another situation that I had to walk through and and uh, a, a difficult situation and and uh this time had a had a mortgage. It was a high mortgage that was beyond my ability to pay it. There were some things that had, that had come up and 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 I only had so much money that would last me for a period of time and uh, and so I meet with a realtor, and this is right when the, this is in two thousand and seven. This is right when the, the everything happened with the market. And I talked to this realtor, and she's a well-known realtor in, in Burleson and Fort Worth area. And so she comes and looks at the house. It's a great house and everything. So um, it was a sizable house. And, and, and so the lady, was, she was like, how, so I said, how long do you think it would take me to sell this? And she, how long do you think it would take you to sell this? And she says, well, for this kind of house and the way the market is right now, it's going to take me probably six months, the way things are moving right now. I said, I don't have six months. I said, I need to close by August 31st. I said, because after that, I'll be broke and I, I will not be able to pay anything else. And so, the, so this is seven weeks. And so the whole time, I'm like, okay, God, <laughs> all right. Is there a showing? Nope, no showing. Go, go weeks, no showing. After four weeks, only one showing. Not interested. We get to around August 14th or August 15th. Had at least someone interested. Put it this way. The day we closed, I'm sitting across from the realtor. And I asked her, I said, what's the date of today? She said, August 31st. Because it wasn't me trying to come up with something in my head... For, well, God, you do it in this time. No, this is something that I knew what he told me. Wasn't saying, okay, God, all right, I want this by that day. It wasn't, it, it wasn't that, but it was me in, not being, in, in getting to a place of making a choice. Faith is a choice. I can either choose to fear or I can choose to believe. It takes just as much power... To choose to believe than it does to choose to fear. You're like, well, you don't, you don't, well, pastor, you don't understand. I understand. Fear and faith are the same thing. It's just, what am I going to choose to yield to? What am I going to choose? And that's why God told the disciples, why is it that you have, where is your faith? Meaning you've, you've seen me do things. You've seen miracles. You just saw me multiply food to 5,000 people. Where is your faith? You see me doing possible things. What is getting from here to there? It was a choice to believe that God could get them to the other side. It's a choice to believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to Psalms 23. It's a choice. Say this with me it's a choice. To believe. believe. I can either choose to believe the word or not believe the word. You know, it's like even believing in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. See, once you establish that the word of God is final authority, I don't even have to entertain evolution. I don't even have to bother my mental capacity to think about whether I came from a monkey or not. <laughs> Once I settle that the word of God is final authority, I don't have to bother with anything else in my thinking. I don't have to fill my heart with any other opinions, any other ideas when I settle that this is final authority. Well, and people say, well, if you just stick your head in the sand and just, you know, yeah, well, no. I choose to believe this. You know what? And it's got me through a lot of things in the last 25 years. So I'm going to stick with the word. So if I establish in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's enough for me. How how did we get here? Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Because everything else that the world's going to throw at me is going to try to talk me out of what his word says. That's a whole nother message there. But um, Psalms 23. It's It's a choice. Now, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, that's a choice. That is a choice. Who's your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. The psalmist is telling us who he believes his shepherd is. The Lord is my shepherd. Something is shepherding you. Whether it's your thoughts, whether it's your emotions, whether it's other people, whether it's other, other denominations, whatever, something is shepherding your life. So you have to make the decision, what, sh- what am I going to let shepherd my life? The Lord is my shepherd. See, and once he establishes who the shepherd is, then he established where his provision comes from. The Lord is my shepherd. I might not want. I shall not want. See, you have one that could be and the other thing is going to be. I shall not want. Meaning it's, it's it's a factual statement. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's a choice. I'm choosing to believe that he's my shepherd and he's my provider. He, the shepherd, restores my soul. I'm not looking for other things to restore my soul. I'm not looking for other things to make me whole. I'm not looking for other things to be my victory. I'm not looking for other things to bring me peace. I'm not looking for other things. He restores my emotions. He restores me me mentally, physically, emotionally. He, He restores every organ in my body. He restores all of me, every part of me. He makes me new. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll try not to fear. See, it's a choice. It's a choice whether I'm going to fear or I'm not going to fear. And and just think, think about whatever you're facing right now. And it could be something major. And I'm not trying to belittle where you're at. What you're going through, symptoms in your body, report. I'm not trying to belittle that. But as a believer, ask yourself the question. What is the worst thing that can happen? If I die? (laughs) (laughs) To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What's the worst thing that can happen? I have to find another job? Well, it'll be a better job. What's the worst thing that can happen? They'll repossess my car. Okay, well, all right. Well, God can, God can do things and someone can give me a car. God can provide a new avenue to to, to bring something. So, so stop limiting him by your circumstances. What's the worst thing that can happen? If you choose to just stand, what's the worst thing to have? God's going to surround you with people. God's going to place people in your life. He's going he's to do things that, that you never thought you could do in your own strength or your own. What is the worst thing that can happen? Hallelujah. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You are with me. He's with you right now. He's with you every step of the way. Hallelujah. It's a choice. Believing is a choice. It's not something all of a sudden, a lightning bolt comes out of heaven and says, Okay, I got faith now. It starts with a choice. It starts with a choice. Everything that I've done throughout my life in ministry has been a step by step choice. You know what? Standing up and preaching, I have to do this by faith because I don't like speaking in front of people. You know, like Isaiah, every time I preach, don't be afraid of their faces. I, I'm not afraid of you guys. Trust me. I, I love you guys. You love me. I know that. But, but it's still this thing of, you know, in the, in the natural, my, my mind is like, in the natural, the enemy are like, what do I have worth to say? You see, what, 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 you know, think about the weight that, that as in ministry, people come in here and there's death and life, death and life, death situations. There's circumstances going, people going through difficult things. And so, so I can't take the pressure on that. I got to take it a step at a time. Every message I have to preach, I have to preach by faith. Every time I pray for someone, I have to pray for someone by faith. It's a step. It's not all of a sudden I'm this superman of faith. No, it's a step. It's a process. That's why the second Thessalonians that I rejoice and I give thanks always because I see and hear that your faith is growing exceedingly. And your love for one another is growing exceedingly. I love even what he says in Romans chapter one. Uh, I believe it's verse eight. He says that I hear of your faith. Throughout the world. Meaning everywhere I go, I'm hearing about your faith. I think it's Romans chapter 1 verse 8. Everywhere I go, I'm hearing about your faith. And I want that said about you and I. That we're growing exceedingly. That our faith is growing exceedingly. Hallelujah. That, that, that heritage of faith is a place of faith. It's a place where we're growing in faith. We live by faith. We operate by faith. But it's a choice that we choose to believe God and his word. It's a choice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. God is good. Wow, I got through my introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some people are like, oh, dear Lord, I got kids going to school tomorrow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, how do, what does this choice look like? This choice to believe. There, there's a lot of things that I could, I could talk about. I'll boil it down to two things. Go to Romans chapter 4, and I'll try to complete this in the next. We've already taken offering, so I got a little extra time. The Holy Spirit redeems the time. Amen. We redeem the time. So what are some choices that I have to make as it pertains to this life of faith? Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Talking of Abraham. He did not weaken in faith. So you can be weak in faith, right? It says he didn't weaken in faith. So that means that we have the capacity to be weak in faith. So we have the capacity to be weak in faith, then that means we also have the capacity to be strong in faith. Amen. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the impotence of his own body, which was good as dead, because he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the bareness of Saren's womb. No unbelief or distrust made him waver now get this I I love this because we see the humanity of Abraham so a lot of times we look at people in scripture and we try to put them on pedestals but it said no unbelief or distrust made him waver it didn't say he didn't have he didn't have uh, unbelief and it didn't say he didn't have distrust do you see that? It said no unbelief or distrust made him waver. Meaning he had the opportunity. See, you always have the opportunity to distrust. You always have the opportunity to have unbelief. But he said he didn't waver. Meaning when the thoughts came, he didn't, take, he, he, he didn't put, give those thoughts any weight. No unbelief or distrust made him waver concerning the promises of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. You see, if he, now look at it this way, verse 19 said he didn't weaken in faith. Verse 20, no unbelief or distrust made him waver. So if I operate in distrust and unbelief, it's going to cause me to weaken in faith. You see that? But then it says here, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. So we have two options when we're walking in the word of God. Our two options are, we're either going to give in to distrust and unbelief. And what's that going to cause us to be weak in faith? Or we make the choice to give praise and glory to God. You see, the word was to Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations, The issue was, how can this be knowing that my body's dead and her womb's dead? So if he focused on that, that would cause him to waver and become weak in faith. But instead, it said he gave praise and glory to God. And as he gave praise and glory to God, as he chose to praise... As he chose to glorify God, as he chose to worship, as he chose to focus on what God had said, as he chose to say that God is almighty. And he told me to walk before him and be thou perfect. He is El Shaddai. As he praised as he praised God, he was strengthened in faith. So the choice that we need to make when it comes to our faith is we have to choose to praise God anyhow. Come on now. You have to praise God anyway. You have to praise God anyway, even though you're in a place of wavering, even in your place and you're battling that. What do you have to do? You have to make the choice to praise. Make the choice because as he became strong in faith, right? Yes, sir. Strong in faith as he gave praise and glory to God, he was fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word. See, there was, time, there was time and time again on my journey getting to Texas or going through other circumstances that when things in the natural didn't look right, I had to praise God. Father, I thank you that you are restoring my life. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to see me through this. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. It doesn't matter if it changes a month or six months from now. I'm not going to change and, and stop praising you. Because eventually it will come to pass. Eventually it will happen. To make a choice to praise. Psalms 34, he says, magnify the Lord. So a lot of times that's just a, that can be a familiar scripture for praise and worship. And, and just come magnify the Lord and let us exalt his name together. What does the word magnify mean? Make him bigger. When you magnify, you make him bigger. So every time we, 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 you know, Cassie and the worship team is here and we're magnifying the Lord, it's not just a religious statement that we're making. What are we doing? We're making the choice to release our faith. And as we praise him, we make him bigger than our problem. We make him bigger than our circumstances. We make him bigger. So there was times that I was praising God and making the choice to praise God. I was making him bigger than my lack. I was making him bigger than my chaos, making him bigger than any other circumstance in my life. Let's get to Psalms 28. Psalms 28. See, it's what's coming out of your mouth in the time time of battle. Is it praise or is it the problem? Is it what, what hasn't happened or is it what God's, God's going to do? Is it what, what he's already put into motion? Hallelujah. Psalms 28. Oh. Faith isn't found in our striving. It's found in our choosing. Just choosing. I choose to believe. Hallelujah. Psalms 28, verse, let's see, or to start, verse 6. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my prayer. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Now get this, therefore my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. So what happens? The result of praise. What happens when you start to praise God? Then what happens is the Lord becomes your strength. He's the stronghold and he's the salvation of the anointed. He saves the people. He blesses, the, amplifies your heritage and he nourishes and shepherds them and carries them forever. See, your praise puts you in a position to allow him to be your shepherd. So the first choice that we have to make as it pertains to our faith is praise. The second choice we have to make is we have to choose to enter in to rest. We have to choose to praise and we have to choose to rest. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3. How could Jesus fall asleep in the back of a boat in the middle of a storm? Because he chose to rest. He chose to rest. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 17. Verse 17. But with whom was he grieved for 40 years? He's talking about the children of Israel. Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. The unbelief was they couldn't come to a place of rest. They couldn't couldn't trust that what God said, that God was going to take them to a promised land. They couldn't rest in that fact. They couldn't just totally stop striving and doing things or wanting another God or wanting a God they could call by name or a God they could worship that was made of of something that they had made with their own hands. Verse 4 says, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. But we know the word brings faith, right? But it said they didn't mix faith. So it's possible for you to hear the word right now And still not choose to believe. Because the gospel was preached to them. Just as it's preached to us. They chose not to believe. Believing is a choice. Verse 3. For we which have believed. So they didn't believe. But here he says. For we which have believed. Do enter into rest. As he said. As I've sworn in my wrath. If they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The works were finished? The works were finished? Verse 4. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein. And they they too whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again. He limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice and harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also ceased from his own works. Meaning it's a choice to enter in to what Jesus has already done. Amen. It's a choice. Not getting Jesus to do something else. No, he's already done it. Amen. And it's choosing to praise him and it's choosing to rest in what he's already done. Amen. Good. Faith is a choice. It's a choice to believe. It's a choice not to believe a choice to praise, and it's a choice to rest. I want to close with a story. It's a story of a man by the name of George Mueller. In the 1800s, he was a missionary, and as well as he, he was in England, um, had, a, had a theology degrees and things of that nature, very educated man. In the 1800s, he built an orphanage that he started with two shillings, which is 50 cents. He built this orphanage, and he did it by faith. He did it by faith. Over a 20-year period of time, he built five granite buildings on 13 acres of land, with, starting with only 50 cents. In all the years in the orphanage, he had over close to 10,000 10, kids go through his orphanage. And he said, in all those years, they never missed a meal. And he started with 50 cents. He says, God had never failed me. He goes, it was hundreds of days where we started a day with only pennies. But yet in over a 50-year period of time, over $7,200,000 came in. Now get this, $7,200,000, and this is in the 1800s. What would that be today? He said, "Everything came when we needed it." There was a time when he talked to a girl named Abigail that was there at the orphanage, and he heard that they had they had no food. There was nothing nothing to feed the kids with, and 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 so in this particular day, at this time, they had three hundred orphans, and they're standing in this. They're standing in this, uh, th- this place. He has them all sit down and, and, and they, they, they have their cups. They have their silverware and they have their plates. And everyone is standing behind their chairs. And he has them all repeat after him. And they pray and they say, Father, we thank you for what you have provided us to eat. They have no food, nothing. Nothing. And, and, but that they're all standing there. And the thing is, is we need, he told Abigail, he goes, we need to do this now because you all need to get to school for breakfast. And so they're all standing there at their plates, empty, cups empty, silverware clean. And they all pray, Father, we thank you for what you have, what you have provided for us to eat. As he says this, it's a documented case, there's a knock at the door. And it's a baker. He comes in, and he yells, and with a authoritative with voice, and he says, George Mueller, he goes, the Lord woke me up at 2 a.m. And he says, I could not get you off my mind. 2 a.m. he woke me up, and, 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 and the Lord told me to go and bake bread for you because he told me that you don't have any food. Wow. Baked enough bread for 300 children. No sooner than the man walked away, he gets another knock at the door. And it's a milkman. You have to understand that, that this man, through, through $7,200,000, he, never, he, didn't have a, he didn't have a board. He didn't have any partners. He didn't have any other people. Everything that came from people that just showed up and gave him finances because somewhere they heard what he was doing. He gets a second knock at the door and, and all of a sudden it's a milkman. And he, he tells the man and the man's frustrated and he says, he goes, I, I don't know, I'm just, I just, my cart broke down in front of your, in, in front of your building here and I, I don't have anything else to do. And the thing is, the cart's too heavy and I can't get it back to where it needs to repair. So I have to do something with all this milk. Because it was too heavy. Not one time did they miss a a meal. But but I want you to hear this about his faith. And this was his testimony. He says this, One thing more, some say, Oh, I shall never have the gift of faith of Mr. Mueller. I'll never have faith like his. And he said to this, he says, This is a mistake it is the greatest error to think that you can't have faith like me. He goes, there's not one particle of truth in it. He goes, my faith is the same kind of faith that all of God's children have had. It's the same kind of faith that Simon Peter had. It's the same kind of faith that all Christians have been bestowed. It's a choice. God has given every man a measure of faith. He goes, my faith is their faith. Though there may be more of it because my faith is. Has been a little more developed by exercise than theirs. And the more I exercise my faith. The more I saw God come through. So the more my faith became stronger. But their faith is precisely the faith I have chosen to exercise. Only with regard to degree. Mine just might be a little more exercised. Now my beloved brothers and sisters. Begin in just a little way. When I first began in this journey, I was able to trust the Lord for only $10, then for $100, then for $1,000. And now, with the greatest of ease, now get this, I could trust God for a million. Now get this, if there was an occasion but first, I should quietly, carefully, deliberately examine and see whether what I was trusting for was something in accordance with his promises from his word. See, this is not about you believing for a Bentley. This is about what has God told you? What have you seen from his word? This was about what has God shown you in his word? He was saying, if you could find it in his word, you can believe it. If you can find it in his word. Now, I'm going to say, if you want a Bentley, get a Bentley. If God told you to have a Bentley, get a Bentley. But he he wants you to make sure. What I want you to make sure established is that that your faith has to be established on the word. He said, said, whatever it is, I will quietly inset. What does God's word say about that? Why? Because it's a choice to believe him and it's a choice to believe his word. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And we thank you, Father. I declare and I pro- prophesy that faith is growing remarkably at heritage of faith. I declare and I decree that faith is increasing and abounding. I declare that faith is flourishing at heritage of faith we choose to believe your word and we choose to praise and we choose to rest we thank you for it tonight in Jesus name amen you receive this word tonight amen amen Hallelujah. A lot of times when you Lord has me minister, you step out and the Lord shows you things in scripture and you're like, "Wow, well, I never really heard someone preach that before." <laughs> or you just step out and, and believe that he he makes he makes sense of it in our hearts. Amen. And I just believe that we're all growing. Amen. We're all growing. Don't s- stop striving. Make a choice. I choose to believe. I choose to praise. Everyone stand to your feet.